The world is more complex than ever. Who can make sense of it? Join Reverend Michael Angley Oguche on NUMA Podcast each week as he shows you how God's Word connects directly to your life in this age and helps you navigate trials and tribulations. If you want to deepen your relationship with God and learn what He has in store for you, listen and subscribe to NUMA Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Just search for NUMA Podcast. Hello and welcome to NUMA Podcast with the Reverend Michelangeli Oguche, bringing your way today the inspired Word of God, and I hope you will be blessed. Hello, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. I am so glad you're able to join NUMA Podcast today. The speaker for today is Pastor Mike Abba from Nigeria. Stay tuned and be blessed. I thank God for the opportunity to continue with our teaching today. I believe that you have been immensely blessed by the previous editions. In those editions, we first of all saw how a new Adam emerged as Christ Jesus, and subsequently, a new Adam emerges in Christ whenever any man, male or female, believes, accepts, and confesses Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Then after, we saw that Christ Jesus is the game changer for Adam and established that Adam did not take God unawares, nor was Christ a second option that God had to cook up. Because God is omniscient, He is omnipotent, and He is omnipresent. All of these are the key things that make God, God. But we also established that God, in His infinite justice and integrity by Himself, provided a governing system for Himself within or by which He operates. This is where we measure the sovereignty of God. This way we see that God's sovereignty is not like the autocratic or totalitarian rule of the military junta, which leaves you with no choice or option. God allows himself to be governed by the counsel of his eternal word. In this edition, we shall be looking at another topic, understanding the nature and character of God. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you because you want the whole world to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is why you freely gave us your Son. Your Son is the truth, Lord, and when we speak and teach about Him, we are speaking and teaching about the truth. We are speaking and teaching about you. Right now, Lord, we receive wisdom and spiritual understanding in the knowledge of you. Father, we declare that the eyes of our understanding are enlightened. Every word we teach and learn in this series is inspired by your Holy Spirit. You are forever glorified and we are edified in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Today we shall be taking our main text from the book of 1 John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5. I'll read. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. The preaching and teaching of God's word must necessarily begin at the beginning. When you lay a good foundation for your structure, you are confident of the superstructure. So we see all the teachers of God's word in the Bible always approaching their lesson from the beginning. Moses said that premise and all the other prophets and teachers use the same approach. John is telling us that he and his co-disciples of Christ did not just start following Christ when he appeared at the river Jordan, but rather they had to trace him right from Moses through the prophet and connect all the ends before they began to follow and believe him when he called. For example, in the Gospel of John chapter 1 verse 43 to 45, John says, the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Peter, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip here gave a conclusion from all their search through Moses to Malachi, and that conclusion was Jesus Christ. Together, the disciples saw that the promise of the Father to Adam and then to Abraham, which was the anchor for their life, was with the Father from the beginning and was declared, and they saw him at their time and heard and held him with their hands. As they listened to him, and observed what he did, they were sure that Jesus was the promise of God revealed. They saw that Jesus was and still is God, the very God himself, the word of life, the life eternal. John now wants us to share in that same spiritual understanding with them, and it is at this point that fellowship with the Father is established. So, we can say that the fellowship with the Father is the knowledge of God, and the knowledge of God would be of his nature and character. John then says, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light means that God is not hidden. All that may be known of God is manifest to all creation. God takes pleasure in revealing himself to mankind. Actually, it is the devil who dwells and operates in darkness. Darkness also refers to evil. Darkness is the entrance of sin into the world. Is the, is the, darkness is the birth of death to man by his, by his fall. 
because there is no darkness in God at all, you can see that God has never done evil and God can never do evil. All that has ever come from God is only good. This is what light talks about, I mean. God is not hidden and he never does anything in secret. He wants to be open and manifest to the whole world. John the Beloved beautifully helps us in our key text to know that God is wide open and, and manifest. Paul firmly supports this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 9 to 12. But as it is written, I read, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Here Paul puts a huge value on the believer being filled and baptized with the Holy Ghost because it is in our fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost by the word and prayer that we know the things of God. This underscores the instruction of Christ to the disciples in Acts chapter 1 to remain in Jerusalem until endued with power from on high. All the truths of God are in the Holy Ghost through Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the custodian of the sacred truths of God's nature and character. The Holy Spirit in us reveals to us and leads us into all the truths about God recorded in His Word. The Spirit and the Word are the same. Jesus said that the words that He spoke are spirit and they are life in John chapter 6 verse 63. Understanding the nature and character of God begins with the understanding of the plan and purpose of God for creation. And understanding God's plan and purpose for creation begins with the accurate study of the Bible. Accurate study of the Bible then refers to your ability to connect stories about people, places, things, and the prophecies, the figures of speech, and the promises to arrive at the perfect conclusion, Christ. Remember, we read in John chapter 1 earlier in verse 45 where Philip told Nathanael about Jesus. He said, We have found him of whom Moses in the law did write. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Notice that in all the scriptures from Moses to Malachi, there is no mentioning of Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. But Philip, having an accurate understanding and interpretation of the scriptures, was able to trace all of the elements to Jesus. It then means that the scriptures must be properly interpreted for accurate understanding. We also see these in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 8, verse 27 to 39. In verse 30, Philip asked the eunuch, Do you understand what you are reading? And I really love the, the, the sincerity of the eunuch. The eunuch answered Philip and said, How can I accept some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Now let's read verse 32 to 35. 
The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his sharer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Philip gave another interpretative teaching here. This way of study was the way all the children of Israel were used to from Moses to the prophets and the Psalms. During the time of Nehemiah, for example, when all the people were gathered in the streets and demanded for the book of the law of Moses to be read to them, in verse 8 of chapter 8, Nehemiah says, So they read in the book in the law of God distinctly and gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. From verse 7, if you would step back a little bit, there were anointed men and the Levites who ministered to the people and caused them to understand the law and taught them by interpreting the writings of Moses. The study of scripture must follow a laid down pattern as instructed by Moses. This, this actually was because, you know, at their time, they, they didn't have this, this media, this technology that we have today. So they needed a, a system that will insist that every word that was spoken was repeated exactly as it was spoken, not missing a jot or a tittle. So even when Jesus came, he was careful to follow the traditional rule of interpretation that was laid down from the past years. God had promised to send a Messiah. And if they must identify him, it was very needful that they stayed with the original pattern of interpretation given by Moses. For example, in Luke chapter 24, verse 25 to 27. This is NUMA Podcast. God bless you. Keep listening. about God revealing himself to man. But from the beginning, God chose a specific nation of people and began to relate with them. The scripture therefore was written to them so that these same people, it reads, Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You can always see this, that whenever Jesus had to speak, he would talk about the beginning. He would speak about the beginning. For example, when those men were asking him about a divorce, they asked him if it was okay for a man to put away his wife. And Jesus told him, told them, from the beginning it was not so. Jesus, our Lord and example, did not deviate from the pattern of going from the beginning, both before and after his death. 
we too must follow that pattern. There must be a pattern of studying the scriptures. You know, many people have this error of, of having a message and then they go to the scripture to find verses that will back up their message. That's not how the word of God is to be taught. The word of God ought to be taught systematically. A little here, a little there, line upon line, precept upon precept. That's how the Bible ought to be taught. That is why in this teaching right now, I'd like to give a few foundation on understanding the scriptures before we go into understanding the nature and character of God. This is very necessary because whenever you are studying the scriptures to know the nature and character of God, you must understand how the scripture was written, the language with which or in which it was written and to whom it was written and how all of those apply to you as a believer today. All right, so we'll look at some basic rules of Bible interpretation. All right, number one, we'd like to see the history, the culture, and the language. Understand that the Bible was not originally written to the whole world. The Bible was not written to me. The Bible was not written to you. There were specific intended audiences that the writers had in mind. So the writers would use their culture and the language of those same people to explain and teach them. About the language, for example, the scriptures or what we call the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, while the gospels and the episodes were written in Aramaic and Greek. The implication of this is that language is dynamic. When the Bible was written was so many centuries ago and the periods when it was written were so many centuries apart. Languages have changed since then and the words have taken on several different meanings. Just like every discipline has its registers, the Bible is not just a historical book on creation and astrology. The Bible is a book that would have an understanding of God or would have the opportunity to start that race that God would deal with in the world. The writer had them in mind. The writer did not have Nigeria or London in mind. But today, we are using the same Bible because even though they were not written to us, they were written for us as our guide and examples so that we too can have a history. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1 to 11, Paul writes, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and did all eat the same spiritual meat, and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Look at an interpretation here. But with many of them God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. 
Can you see that? Even the, 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 the temptation in the wilderness, Paul is saying it was Christ they were tempting. Now, verse 10, neither murmur ye, and some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the end of the world are come. So you see, the scriptures were written not to us, but for us. Even the first Corinthians we just read was written to the Corinthian church. It was specifically written to them. And while Paul was writing, or when Paul was writing, he was writing with their culture in mind. So he had to talk about their lifestyle, especially when they would gather together, how they treated one another. It was specifically about them, their culture. All right, so we cannot now, you, you won't just easily take things and begin to apply them just like that. You must, first of all, balance it with all the other scriptures and all the truth that there is about lifestyle and culture before you can go on. So when you look at Romans chapter 15, it still says the same thing that the writings were to them, those people, but they are for us. They were Judeans who practiced Judaism at the time, but now we are all to be Christians and refer to the scriptures as our necessary history or origin. Don't forget that these people were chosen by God to be the prototype for all human race. If God must save the human race, then God must become a man. And for God to become a man, God had to be born on the earth, into a family, into a country. Incidentally, this family or nation is called Israel. And though God was trying to relate with them through Abraham, these people had their culture. Now, God would not disagree or disregard their culture, but he respected them and always looked for a way to get to them. That is why whenever you read the Bible, you must be able to tell the difference between the people's culture and language and the message that God was trying to pass. For example, the parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the sower were taken from their cultural practices by Jesus and the killing of animals and molding of images were prevalent practices of the people in the Old Testament that that was why God commanded them against idols and instructed that they must not have any physical representation of God in images. Other things or practices that were Cultural were the use of oil, the building of temples, the washing of hands and legs and faces, etc. These practices were in line with medicine, spiritual devotion, and hygiene because of the weather condition. Coming to language, the people of Israel spoke Hebrew from the beginning, but as they journeyed from place to place and were taken as slaves by different kingdoms, their language suffered adulteration. On another hand, it is natural that words would take on new meanings over time because of use and circumstances. That is why words do not always mean the same things every time they are used. For this reason, you must never conclude that the word used in the Bible to explain or describe a situation would mean the same things as we have them now. You need to always go to the places where they are used 
understand the culture of the people and their language so that you can identify the specific meaning being referred to. So we can say that the original meaning and intentions of the writers along with the culture of the people that the messages were written to are important elements in the understanding of the Bible. This leads us to context. Just like every other literature or textbook where you cannot just pick one topic up and randomly uh, and begin to prepare for examination, the Bible is a complete flow of thought, a full story that needs to be read together. It is dangerous to pick one idea from one part of the Bible and build doctrines from it without considering the backgrounds or surrounding statements or events and even actions. For example, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. If you keep your focus on the all things used in this verse, you can also decide that you can drink all the beer in the pub house or go and rob a bank tomorrow and have success. But you must keep the context in focus. If you backtrack to verse 12, you will see that Paul was talking about how Christ strengthened him to suffer every difficult situation because of the gospel. For example, again, a believer can read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. See where it says that God gives us richly all things to enjoy and then decide that another man's beautiful wife has been given to him to enjoy. But that's not how it is. That's not the truth of God's word. You see, so many times people have taken the truth of God's word and twatted them to just soothe whatever they want to, to, to get. And that, that's not right. That's not the gospel. The Bible must be read together as a single story with the theme of salvation or redemption always in mind. The moment a person loses focus on this background, it is easy to go into error. On the road to Emmaus, Jesus taught those two disciples that the law or the book of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms were all stories and promises about Jesus himself. Jesus is the salvation of God for man. And we must keep him in perspective whenever we read any portion of the Bible. One of the most erroneous practices that has hindered the the understanding of the Bible is the famous action of saying things and then looking for verses in the Bible to back them up. The Bible does not back your ideas or beliefs up. The Bible is okay by itself. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. Your ideas are too small to be the reason that God gave us the Bible. The Bible is a perfect book containing the mind and intention of God towards man. And so, to understand it, we must always keep its purpose in focus. When next we come your way, we shall be explaining more of the tools for proper interpretation of the Bible. For example, there are so many controversial things about God in the flood of Noah, the temptation of Job, Sodom and Gomorrah, the killings of people in the wilderness, and so on. Even the evil spirit from God that entered Saul and how the devil can even appear in the presence of God in the story of Job. 
with a clarified background on these, we can then move on to understanding the nature and character of God. As we round up for today, do not forget our key text from the first John chapter 1, verse 1 to 5 that we read earlier on. We saw that God dwells in radiant light and in him is no darkness at all, which means that darkness never originated from God. We also saw that God wants every man to know him and to be able to represent him to the world in perfect testimony to his nature and character. Let us pray. Dear Father, thank you for the teaching of your word. Thank you for the insights and spiritual understanding that we receive every day as we listen to and study your word. We love you, Father. We thank you because you are good and your mercy and your goodness endure forever. As we take time every day to behold you in your word glass, we are becoming more and more like you every day. You are glorified and we are built up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the NUMA podcast. 
I pray that God will richly bless you until I come your way again.